Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. Peterson, You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. You're right. saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect to open yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? All right, good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio show where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is my first live Cannabis Hour in quite some time, and I'm pretty excited to be here with a great group of folks. We're going to be discussing an upcoming speaker series and show that's going on at the Mendocino County Museum called Cannabis in Mendocino County, Our Story. And so I'm here today with several folks that are involved in that. We have Karen Matson, the curator of the Mendocino County Museum. We have Richard Jurgensen. He is an archivist and founder of the Counterculture Museum and archives. He runs that along with his partner, Annie Waters, and he is also the co-founder of Protopipes, which is a 50-year running craft pipe company that manufactures in Willits. We have Casey O'Neill of Happy Day Farms. He is a cannabis and food cultivator, and he also does the podcast Living with the Land, which you often hear on the Cannabis Hour here. And then I have Chia Rodriguez of Rivershy Farms and Arcana Flowers. She also has her own podcast called Moms Do Weed. Chia and Casey are both going to part be participating in a speaker series that is part of this ongoing event at the County Museum. So we're all going to talk about what's up with that, how you can get information on this, and how you can attend this great series of events that's going to be going on. But first, I'm just going to go around and have everybody say hi. Karen, you want to say hi to our listeners? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, Karen. Richard, would you like to say hi to the listeners? Oh, sure. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here this morning with uh, with you and uh, the listening audience. And uh, yeah, I'm very stoked also to be working with all of you and uh, um, hitting the ground running here. Wonderful. Thank you, Richard. Casey, would you like to say good morning? Morning, y'all. Much love. Great success. Thank you. Chia, would you like to say good morning to our listeners? Hi, good morning, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. All right, Karen, would you like to go ahead and give our listeners who might not know a little backstory on the Mendocino County Museum? Yes, um, the Mendocino County Museum, actually this year is our 50th anniversary. Um, this museum opened in 1972 and was a gift. Um, the community had wanted this museum and they did a um, long stint to fundraise. Um, they built the museum and then they gifted it to the county to staff and care for the facility. And we have been um, working hard to um, 
really get to know all of our collections, which are extensive and really cover all of Mendocino County. That is wonderful. And where is the museum located in Willits? The museum is located at 400 East Commercial Street, right across from the park by, and right next to the um, Willits Branch Library. Wonderful. And do you have um, collections that you sort of rotate through displaying in the museum or do you kind of have everything displayed at once there? So one of the things um, that is often not realized is that a, I would say a majority of our collections are not on display. Um, the museum that you walk through, it's a fairly large museum, but attached in the back we have, um, if you can kind of picture almost a gymnasium sized storage area. Um, a small inner archives unit. And um, so we do rotate exhibits and that's one of the things we are working on doing more. That is wonderful. What would you say is the oldest item that you have in the museum in your archives or in the collections there? Um, we have a, um, a, lith a, a lithic stone, right? When you come inside, it's, ac it's actually on loan from, um, Thomas Leighton, that is the oldest. And I, I can't remember the how old, but it is, it's amazing. It's like a thousand years old. Um, so, but most of our collections are um, very varied. You know, it spans all the, you know, as current as, you know, Judy Berry kind of era um, collections. So that would be our most recent. That's great. So you have stuff all the way from thousand year old Earth artifacts up to the Earth First movement. And prior to putting together this exhibit in conjunction with the Counterculture Museum, did you already have um, sort of artifacts from the Back to the Land movement in the museum? So we have um, archives from Back to the Land movement. We have we have the New Settler, we have um, the Mendocino County Grapevine, um, or the Mendocino Grapevine. We have um, a, a variety of other publications and we have some some material but one of the one of the reasons we're really interested in having this lecture series is that um, we recognize the need to collect more material culture to tell this story and we really need to draw from the community to understand what exactly the stories are that we want to tell here at the museum and what collections we're, we're going to commit to preserving long-term. That is wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. And what exactly inspired this partnership with the Counterculture Museum series and this um, speaker panel series that's going to be happening to initiate at this project? Uh, well, actually, Richard and I have been um, getting to know each other for, I think it's actually years now. Um, Richard was really kind when I first started working here. He came uh, to talk to me about the efforts that had been in place before I came on on board, and um, a lot has changed. Even you know, in the last five years, so much has changed, and we had COVID in the middle. Um, but we've been talking about the need for the Mendocino County Museum to have this history here, how important it is, and how now we have the opportunity to collect in a way that we haven't had in the past. So. Um, I think it's been an ongoing conversation. And recently Richard shared that he had um, a traveling exhibit and we have a, a little bit of time right now at the museum. We had a little opening spot in our calendar. And we are, um, for those of you that don't know, we are 
embarking on a strategic plan here at the museum and just about to start a series of forums around the whole county to get feedback on what, what it is people um, want to see in our museum and how we want to work together going forward. So this was a great time to uh, collaborate with Richard and have this exhibit, this uh, temporary exhibit up and to have this lecture series that we think a lot of people are going to enjoy coming and listening and having this conversation. That is awesome. I love hearing that. Um, Richard, do you want to tell us a little bit more specifically about what this speaker series is going to be like and um, what the exhibit at the museum is going to be like? Um, yes. So, uh, <clears throat> yes, Karen and I have been having this uh, uh, several year on and off again conversation. And uh, this window of opportunity uh, uh, appeared uh, earlier uh, just a few weeks ago. And, and uh, we thought that it would be worth making the effort to uh, put this show together. Uh, and uh, squeezing it in between the existing show and the, uh, the upcoming show in April. Anyway, uh, so we, uh, uh, we all got together several times and we're, we're looking at uh, possibilities and uh, realized that uh, you can't talk about, you know, cannabis in Mendocino County without going back to the land, as it were, uh, back to nature movement, in, of which... Uh, Many folks uh, started coming up in the, uh, well, not so many, a few hardy ones came up in the late 60s and the real migration really began uh, in the 70s and, uh, and 80s. And so uh, we thought, well, let's, let's do us um, a conversation with some back to the landers. And so we uh, were looking uh, at uh, the north end of Mendocino County and the Bell Springs area and uh, uh, of course, the O'Neill family comes to mind, and so they seemed natural. And and uh, looking to the south uh, was the Greenfield Ranch, and and uh, Chia's family seemed uh, uh, natural. And and then we were looking here in the middle of the county, and uh, um, we identified uh, somebody else, uh, Amy Good. Uh, who came up here with her husband and, you know, raised their family. And, and uh, so anyway, we have kind of the, the length and breadth of, uh, of Mendocino County here for this first panel. And uh, um, it's, we're going to have some questions for all of them, but it'll, it'll be an, an interesting dialogue to see, uh, you know, what, what led to uh, these families you know, why did they come here? Why did they choose Mendocino County? Uh, and more specifically, the locations that they homesteaded on. So uh, that's the first panel discussion. And the second one is gonna be on, uh, on tourism and the, uh, the county uh, economy. And uh, so our local supervisor, John Hashik, will, will be a part of that panel. And uh, uh, of course he's very uh, instrumental and uh, impassionate about um, our county museum, which happens to be in his district. So uh, he'll be there uh, on the, uh, um, as one of the speakers and uh, Tracy Pilar will be there. She'll be representing the uh, Mendocino's Producers Guild and, uh, and, and also uh, watersheds. She's quite active in uh, 
um, saving wildlife and uh, watershed uh, restoration. Um, Gary Martin's gonna be there representing the Willits Art Center. Uh, uh, Nikki uh, uh, Lacerto, not sure if that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's gonna be on Lestretto, board. Lestretto, I believe, but yes, Lestretto. Nikki, yeah. Yes, uh, of course she'll be there representing uh, um, um, uh, the Mendocino Craft, uh, the Mendocino Craft uh, Farmers Auction, uh, which has had some successes in uh, um, throwing some events and raising some much-needed funds to keep these organ these nonprofits going. And then uh, we have uh, um, Visit Mendocino uh, County, uh, Jamie Peters. She's going to be there uh, speaking on Canner Tourism, and Jude. Thilman is going to be there. She's a co-chair of the uh, Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. And she runs a dispensary, a uh, Dragonfly Wellness Center over uh, on the coast. So that's going to be a very well-rounded um, uh, panel discussion. And then uh, anchoring the show on the other end will be the last weekend, uh, which will be um, uh, March 18th and 19th, 18th. And on the 18th, the uh, that, that last panel is going to be the... Uh, uh, counterculture history uh, coalition, and there will be three speakers on it. In uh, the title of the talk is going to be "The Counterculture Is Alive and Well," and the uh, three presenters on that will be uh, uh, Nicole Riggs, who's coming down from Arcata, um, and uh, Paulo Stupia, who's coming over from Paris, France, to be with us. And then uh, in myself. And so we're going to be speaking on the counterculture and its, its influence on how it helped shape um, the current culture. Uh, so then, of course, in between all of that is going to be some static exhibits uh, there in the, uh, uh, the Great Hall. We, we have, uh, uh, as Karen mentioned, uh, a traveling uh, exhibit uh, with collage objects and visuals that have been um, printed on uh, uh, large vinyl panels. And those were gonna be uh, um, on the walls and then in the display cases will be um, um, objects and memorabilia and ephemera also representing um, this culture such as it has been and maybe is, is where it's going. That is incredible, RJ. So we have three guest speaker series, it sounds like you said there. Um, the, first, the first one is Back to the Land Generational Storytelling, and that's going to be on Saturday, February 11th from 1 to 3 p.m. Cannabis and Tourism, Moving the Economy Forward on Saturday, March 4th from 1 to 3 p.m. And that one has free admission because it's first Saturday. And then Counterculture History Coalition, Perspectives on Counterculture, Saturday, March 18th from 1 to 3 p.m. And these are all going to be at the Mendocino County Museum. Uh, there is some ticketing involved. So if you're interested in attending, you can visit mendocinocounty.org slash museum. And so Chia and Casey are both going to be a part of the first panel, which is the Back to the Land Generational Storytelling. Casey, I know you can't stay on for the whole show today, so I want to give you some airtime here and just um, let you say what's up to the listeners and just tell us a little bit how you feel about being involved in this project. 
What's up, y'all? Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of um, of good feelings about this, you know, in in part because, um, you know, this is the history of you know this is what where I came from, where my family came from. I love I always love hearing pops tell the stories from the old days because there's always something that I that I hadn't caught before or that I hadn't understood before, and so it's it's nice like you know especially with you know being on a panel if. You know, there's questions asked and then he'll you know he, he tells some story and I'm like oh, I didn't even know that um so it's it, you know it feels good and it's nice to kind of you know we've moved into this this new era of of being able to talk about cannabis of being public about it and and that that has all kinds of you know good feelings in terms of moving out of prohibition and and trying to find some normalization I can't say I'm all that thrilled with the regulatory paradigm that has unrolled um, but you know, I, I think that it's it's nice that this 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 program is happening and that we do get to kind of celebrate some of the heritage of of the the, the cannabis cultivation and the back to the land community in this county. So um definitely stoked to be part of it. Yeah, that is awesome. And you also do a lot of sharing of stories and your culture and history on your podcast too. Do you want to tell our listeners just a little bit about that and where they can find out more on your podcast if they're interested? Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that. It's me and my brother Lito. And he's, you know, he's a podcast guy, so he really understands the format and, and he keeps it moving along. I'm always too long-winded, so um <laughs> he he keeps he keeps me in line. And uh and like I said, like you said, it's it's nice to just be able to kind of dive into some of the stories of folks from the area and and just really get into some of that. So we, we've been really enjoying it. It's called Living with the Land. Um and you can find it online, Living wtland.com or on the you know the streaming services thanks jen yeah thank you casey and i do play that sometimes here on the cannabis hour as well so my listeners may have heard some of those awesome episodes of you with your brother and your family and your friends and it is really wonderful so thank you for sharing that with all of us and i encourage everybody to get out and see casey on the panel chia you're going to be there as well would you like to just give some thoughts on how you feel about being involved in this project sure um i'm actually really excited about this i um you know i was born and raised here in mendocino county on greenfield ranch um and i've always been just really into researching history and archiving what's happening right now. You know, I, I love taking photos and I'm doing a small project myself on Greenfield Ranch's 50th anniversary, which we are, we just had last year in 2022. Um, and so I was really excited to actually meet uh, Richard a few years ago and got a little tour of his archives. And it just really launched me into this you know, just feeling really excited about like what Casey was saying, like we can come out of the shadows and actually talk about what we've been doing all this time and not feel scared about it. Um, and so I'm really excited about this panel and it's sort of, it, it's cool because it's full circle. I'm going to bring my father, um, Don Rodriguez, along to the panel and uh, try to keep him in line and keep the stories stories flowing. I'm sure they will. Um, same with um, Casey. Sounds like Casey's dad will be there, Mark as well um so it'd be really great to include the old timers and yeah just bring it full circle so thank you that's wonderful so are the panelists for that first panel you chia your father and casey and your father yeah i believe so 
Oh, that's so cool. That's really awesome. So Karen, I actually know that you and Casey mentioned before we hopped on the um, show today that you guys actually know each other from growing up in Laytonville. So that's cool. I'm sure this is very full circle for you too as well. And I love those connections within our community. It's so wonderful. Chia, did you and Casey know each other when you guys were growing up too? No, not at all. Actually, we met through um, cannabis activism. I think we probably met at a board of supervisors meeting at some point along along the line. Uh-huh. Less fun, but that, <laughs> yeah. that's funny. Yes. So Karen, how does that feel for you to be working on this project um, at this point in your life with someone that you knew from your younger years? Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to, um, to this. I, I'm really excited about the generational aspect, like uh, Chia and Casey have said. I think it means a lot to hear those stories from, from our parents. And um, I'm excited and, and a little overwhelmed at the enormity of trying to you know, collect and document um, the story. So I'm really excited to have this uh, support and input from the community on how to do this, right? So it's going to be great. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And so Karen, it sounds like you grew up in Laytonville. And what was your path like? Did you leave the area to pursue higher education and then return to run the museum? Or do you you want to give our listeners a little bit of information on your background there? Yeah, I I did leave. I left right after high school. I um, I worked um, in galleries and I worked in a couple different museums. Uh, early on, like during during college, <clears throat> my background is actually in fine art, and I ended up working at a living history museum, or a, working as a curator at a tremendous, for, excuse me, <laughs> for Placer County, and at, in that role, I was responsible for their living history program. So I, I was their education curator, and I worked there for a number of years, um, and then ultimately, I did move back here with my husband and two children so that is how i ended up here i I didn't think i was going to come back here but i it called me back that is really cool and casey if i remember correctly you kind of have a similar story right where you left and went away to college and then wound up coming back and living on the family farm yeah you know it's kind of funny because if you'd asked me when i graduated high school if i was coming back here if i thought i'd be a farmer uh, I probably would have laughed, um, but I left and I, you know, I wasn't gone till Thanksgiving before I realized like, wow, it's, it's pretty special down there. I was going to school up in Oregon and, um, you know, I, I leaving here, I kind of thought like, oh, oh yeah, you know, Oregon's going to be pretty similar to here. And it really wasn't. <laughs> and and so, you know, it took me only a couple of months to realize like, wow, this is a, a pretty special place and, and to start thinking about coming back here. And so, you know, coming back and then um, getting into the cannabis, you know, like, like the folks grew weed when I was a little kid. Um, and then they got busted in 85 and that kind of ended. And so then coming back from college and getting back into it, um, and, and really just falling in love with it. And, you know, I think cannabis has been the portal back to agriculture for, for so many people, um, in a, you know, in an industrialized society that's kind of lost some of that, um that window so for me it was really just a you know an opening into something new and special and now as a as a food producer as a cannabis producer it's it's definitely um a dream come true 
Yeah, you guys are producing a lot of food over there at Happy Days. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what you guys have going on and where they can find your farm fresh food if they would like to? Yep. Yeah, we're full steam right now. So we're doing, you know, winter, all kinds of salad mixes, cooking greens, you know, collards, kale. A um, couple of few weeks out, we'll have cabbages and broccolis and cauliflowers coming in, uh, salad turnips, radishes, uh, Asian greens, you know, bok choy, tatsoi, et cetera. So we do farmer's market in Laytonville Mondays, uh, 2.30 to 5. And then in the summertime, we got the little Bell Springs market going up here. We got a little farm stand up on the hill. It's, um, it's kind of like a little local foods emporium that we're really getting a kick out of. So, um, yeah, that, we're, we're floating around. Great success. That's awesome. Thank you, Casey. And is there anything else that you want to say or any projects you just want to share about really quick or where folks can contact you? Because I know that you need to hop off soon and I just want you to be able to share all the info that you want before you go. Great. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook under my name or uh, on IG at Happy Day Farms. I'm always happy to chat, you know, just drop me a line and, um, you know, just as always, much love and appreciation. This is a, a great place to be, great community to be around, um, and uh, great success. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, Casey. And if you want to hear more of what Casey has to share, don't forget that you can catch him on um, the Back to the Land generational storytelling panel from Saturday on Saturday, February 11th from 1 to 3, along with Chia and both of their dads. So that is going to be a super cool opportunity to hear more about their stories growing up here in Mendocino. And Karen, I know you mentioned that you would have to hop off too. So I just want to give you the last opportunity to share anything about this program that you haven't shared so far and just anything about the museum in general that you want to share with our listeners before you get off. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, well, I look forward to seeing everybody at the, the speaker series, of course, but one thing I would like to share is, um, I mentioned it earlier, that we, the museum is embarking on a strategic plan, and we are at the stage in the strategic plan where we are actively um, working to go out into the community and get meaningful feedback. So I wanted to let everyone know that we will be uh, kind of touring the county um, starting February 15th, and we will have three forums here at the museum. And then we will be going to the different um, branch libraries and um, we'll have more information about that on our website. And we encourage everyone to take our survey because we really want that feedback so, as we plan. So if, if anyone is interested in taking our survey, it would really help us to understand your needs. And that is also available on our website. So, and we really look forward to getting feedback at, at all of these um, speaker series that are coming up. So thank you. And thank you for having me here today. Thank you so much, Karen Matson, for joining us. Karen Matson is the curator at the Mendocino County Museum. And you can find more information on the strategic plan that she is discussing and on the museum in general at www.mendocinocounty.org backslash museum. All right, I have a few event announcements that I'm going to take a little break here and do, and then we're going to move back into our conversation and dive a little deeper with Chia and Richard here. So I want to announce that coming up, we have the 19th annual Emerald Cup and the um, Emerald Cup Awards competition entry window is open for 15 more days. I believe there is a discount available for small farmers and equity grant recipients. 
So if you are interested in finding out more about that, uh, visit theemeraldcup.com. That contest has been a big part of our community for a really long time, and it's great to see that it's still going on. So check out theemeraldcup.com if you're still interested. And again, you have 15 more days to enter the contest. Um, we also have a fun event going on at Plant Shop this weekend. That is called Bubbly Sips. Chia, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I believe you're participating there. Sure. Um, well, Plant Shop is a dispensary on Or Springs Road, off of Or Springs Road in Ukiah. Um, and they have a really beautiful backyard. And so they host a lot of different events. And um, this is part of, I believe, the Visit Mendocino um, Wellness Month still. And so Bubbly Sips is going to be a cannabis infusion, like drink infusion demo um, put on by Scott Ryman. Um, and then there'll be a couple of farmers there. I believe Sunbright Gardens and myself with our can of flowers will be there. Um, I think it's noon to four. So hopefully it won't be raining. It looks like it could be, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. Hope to see everybody out there. Yes, that is indeed from noon to four. So Saturday, February 4th. And Plant Shop is over there at 2031 Wellmar Drive in Ukiah. You can find out more at plantshop.com. And Plant Shop is a really fun dispensary. They have a really beautiful outdoor space and they give a ton of support to our local cannabis farmers. So that's important to recognize. And I want to shout out Plant Shop for being so supportive of our small cannabis farming community. It's really great to have those um, allies in the retail space for our farmers. And Scott Ryman is actually also a certified ganji A. So that's pretty cool. Um, Chia, do you know exactly how they do the infusion into um, the drinks? I don't know like anything about that. Do you? I am going to be learning as well. I'm not really an edibles person or um, I don't really usually drink cannabis drinks, but um, I'm eager to just check it out and see. I think a lot of times, you know, there's these um, nano emulsified different um, drink products on the market these days and things that dissolve into water really easily that are, um, you know, um, different cannabinoids that you can dissolve into to the liquids and so they don't really taste like cannabis um so i think there's yeah there's a lot of uh creativity and opportunity there to kind of play around with it so that should be really fun yeah i'm interested in learning more about that myself all right so we're gonna chat now for about another 10 minutes with chia and rj before we open up the phone lines and take some callers so if you're out there listening and you have a question for chia or rj about this awesome event series that's coming up hang on a little bit longer and you'll be able to give us a call and join the conversation in about 10 minutes all right rj i would love to have you share more with our listeners about your journey as an archivist you have an incredible collection of probably thousands of pieces of print publication and objects from the counterculture movement and of course that includes the cannabis movement how did you get started with this when did you start archiving things back <clears throat> i'd have to say uh, in high school way back <laughs> late 60s and uh, but before I go there I just wanted to say we, we do have one other panelist that's going to be with us on the back to the land uh, discussion and that uh, that is uh, Amy Good 
and uh, um, <laughs> you're all going to be uh, pretty blown away when you meet her. Uh, so happy that she's going to be joining us. But anyway, uh, um, back to my story. Um, so uh, probably uh, Life Magazine uh, was my first issue, and of course, it's uh, it it has an iconic cover of uh, uh, somebody. Uh, passing what appears to be a joint between their fingertips and uh um my mother had left that on the dining room table for her two youngest sons to uh to look at because it was basically uh you know if you see this stay away from it and oddly enough it had the exact opposite effect <laughs> and, uh uh, at, at the time, uh, uh, ganja, cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, was starting to circulate around the country, mostly through um, the college networks, and um, and it it spread rather quickly, and uh, so many college towns became you know outposts for uh, for change because of the. Uh, the uh, concentration of youth. And um, uh, as far as I go, uh, I moved to San Francisco in 1971 and I missed the, uh, perhaps the heyday. Um, Hate Street by then had many uh, storefronts that were uh, boarded up, but uh, uh, the party had left and it had, it had gone rural. Many people went back to the land. They went back to nature. And uh, for, for many of us, uh, it turned out to be Northern California. And uh, so that uh, I spent 10 years in the Bay Area, the 70s. And uh, in 79, uh, moved up here to Willits, which is where I've been ever since. And um, uh, living in the Bay Area was... Uh, very stimulating in the seventies. And, uh, um, I spent six years in Berkeley and, uh, I was vending, uh, uh, a little smoking pipe called the prototype on Fisherman's Wharf and, uh, occasionally Telegraph Avenue. And, you know, the Bay area was really the melting pot of what came to be known as the counterculture. And, uh, um, with all the uh, universities and colleges and uh, um, Silicon Valley. And uh, it was just a, just an incredibly uh, rich um, uh, in oh so many ways, place to be stimulating. Uh, you kind of hate to go to bed sometimes because you might miss something. And uh, anyway, just, uh, it, it was such a colorful, uh, um, uh, culture. I started collecting things just, you know, out of beauty or for whatever the reason. And um, um, didn't really realize how much stuff I had until, <laughs> until you start to unpack your stuff and deal with it and, and getting it organized. And once I started doing that, I started seeing a real story uh, uh, taking place. And I started getting more serious about it and uh, 
and uh, began some little pop-up showings at uh, farmers markets and uh, the Emerald Cup and um, did a pop-up show here in, uh, in Willits uh, uh, back in uh, 2020 and uh, uh, at the old Rexall Pharmacy. And uh, we were just off to a great start. And then all of a sudden, March 15th came around and the world went into lockdown because of COVID. And so we had to put the key in the door and lock it. And uh, a year later, uh, a vaccine had been developed and uh, social distancing and masks and, and hand washing. And we were, we were able to reopen again on 420 of 2021. And we had guest speakers and Tony Sarah and Ed Denson and Wendy Reed and uh, Chad Ray came uh, and videotaped and he has an astonishing archive uh, that he's been amassing over the last several decades. And in fact, he will be uh, documenting the, uh, the upcoming speaker series here at the uh, um, uh, Mendocino County Museum exhibits. Um, and uh, so, yes, I have this archive and, uh, and now we have a, a, the potential for a traveling uh, exhibit. And to that end, um, last year, with the help of the uh, um, Dr. Bronner's Foundation, uh, we, we created um, 10 panels um, that, that have um, collage images uh, on them, and they tell stories. And so these, uh, these collages are, you know, they're meant to be portals to not only storytell, but potentially to transport. And um, so last year, for instance, um, they traveled to uh, the hog farm hangout uh, and, and were on display there. And uh, then they also were on display at the High Sierra Music Festival. Uh, and this year they're gonna be doing both of those events as well as a, um, uh, an upcoming Grateful Dead event which I don't have the name of nor the dates, but it's gonna be in Ventura County uh, coming up uh, this spring. So anyway, uh, we're just trying to get the, the story out such as we can. Uh, and you really can't travel around with, uh, with one of a kind memorabilia. Uh, so we've, uh, we've made these, uh, these panels uh, to, to take it to the people, if you will. And uh, we're getting some really good feedback whenever folks um, are exposed to, uh, uh, to these stories. That is wonderful, RJ. And thank you for sharing how you do reproduce that memorabilia to show it on the panels and such, because you do have a lot of very rare and fragile and at this point, um, historic and older objects and print media. Chia, do you want to give our listeners a little bit of a background on your upbringing on Greenfield Ranch and just tell them what Greenfield Ranch is if they don't already know? Sure. Um, well, Greenfield was formed in 1972 um, as part of the Back to the Land movement. And um, I think in its heyday, we may have had around 300 residents or more these days. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe we have a 150 tops. Um, so I am second generation. My father was an original owner 
on Greenfield Ranch. Um, I think he came in at 1976 and then I was born in 1979 in uh, our little cabin there on the hill. It still exists. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you know, in its in its heyday, there was a lot of community events going on. There was a community garden, a school at the ranch house. We have a community ranch house where we still have events and weddings and you know, all kinds of um, solstice celebrations. And we just had our 50th uh, anniversary party there this last summer, which was great and amazing turnout. And so, you know, the community has its ebbs and flows. It's still going. But back when I was growing up, um, there was tons of kids and the culture was really very, um, you know, kid oriented, I guess, really, you know, there was the pond, people were always down there, there was always some something happening, um, women's groups, men's groups, and so on. And over time, you know, people kind of went back to town, a lot of people moved away, but now we're seeing a resurgence of the second and the third generation. So I'm a second generation um, my children, of course, are the third generation. We have land on that ranch still um, in a different place than where I was born, but down the road um, nonetheless. And so, you know, the, the community is is still thriving and there we have a board of directors and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of politics and all that kind of stuff still still going on. But at the heart of it, I think everybody really moved up here to you know, kind of get away from the politics of the times and come back to the land and try to live off the land and build their homes and build gardens. And in that, people didn't move here to cultivate cannabis. That wasn't the intention. I think people people moved here to get, you know, get off, <laughs> get out of the cities and get back to the land. And cannabis just kind of happened to be part of the the counterculture at that time and people were passing it around and people were getting seeds from friends and, you know, started cultivating and that it became a way to um, maintain a pretty chill lifestyle for a lot of folks up here where they didn't have to grow that much and they could live a pretty, pretty good life. Um, And so, you know, cannabis is ever present here. And like myself, a few people have gone down the route of um, becoming licensed and and legal. Um, it's not without its its challenges, of course, but yeah, um, I don't know what else I could get into some stories, but I know you want to take phone calls. Yeah, that's okay. I would love to hear some stories in between our callers. And um, I did want to ask you before I open up the phone lines, you know, growing up on Greenfield, I'm sure it was just your world and you were just in that. But did you have sort of a sense that your childhood and your upbringing um, was a little bit outside the box compared to most? Oh, yeah, (laughs) for sure. I went to school in town um, in Ukiah for the most part. Um, When I was three, my mom moved to town. And so I did, um, you know, attend public school. And so then I would come up to Greenfield on the weekends and all the the whole summer and, you know, on the holidays and all that kind of stuff. um, I was here. And so, yeah, in the early days and when I was really little, um, we had a little school at the ranch house, which I attended as well. And it was tons of kids and you just kind of were able to, you know, go home with (laughs) your friend that day. And there wasn't really phones and nobody really knew where you were. I mean, there was a lot of, um, free ranging happening with the kids. 
And so I definitely got that feeling, you know, it was like I'd go to school and people had new clothes and they were, you know, very clean. I'd go to people's houses and I'm like, oh, this is, I'm definitely the black sheep here. Um, where, you know, I was kind of like a goodwill kid and we didn't really have a lot growing up. And so, you know, we lived a pretty simple and basic lifestyle. Um, but yeah, and the cannabis was ever present. It was always kind of around and, um, people, you know, would be passing joints around at parties and things like that. So I was always very aware of it, um, in the lifestyle and in the community. Um, but yeah, growing up on, on Greenfield had many wild moments, you know, there's a million stories and a lot of different, um, kind of groups of people and, um, still, you know, we have a, a pagan church here on Greenfield, which isn't really as big as it used to be. Um, so there's a lot of different versions of the counterculture within this community itself. Thank you so much for sharing that. I had myself muted, but I was definitely laughing when you were describing some things in your childhood experience, you know, just going home with other kids and nobody knows where you are. I mean, it sounds, <laughs> sounds totally awesome, honestly, but okay. So this is my first live show in quite some time. So I do want to open up my phone lines now in case there's anyone out there that wants to call in. And in the interim, we're going to keep chatting with Chia and Richard here. So that number, if you are interested in joining this conversation or you have a question, is 707-895-2448. That is 707-895-2448. All right, while we wait to see if we have any callers that wanna join us today, Chia, I know that you are a mom, you have two sons. So I'm curious what it is like for you um, or what it was like for you raising your kids on Greenfield and in that culture after having grown up in it as a child yourself? Interesting question. Um, well, you know, when I was growing up, it was sort of a free for all. It was like, you know, peace, love and understanding lots of, you know, <laughs> lots of hippies everywhere. These days, um, it's a little bit more... I think people kind of keep to themselves a little bit more. Um, we definitely have a lot of events and, and, you know, road work parties and, and things like that. And so my kids definitely have been exposed to a lot of the, you know, the wildness of Greenfield and the cannabis culture here. Um, and, you know, things, things have changed. Like when I was growing up, we had a community pond and there was a rope swing and, you know, it had lots of different little ropes hanging off the bottom of it. And you jump off this gigantic pier across the pond and, you know, people are getting injured and things like that. These days, it's a little bit more docile. <laughs> um, my kids definitely have, have seen, um, you know, some wild parties and such. But when I was, you know, a kid and growing up, there was Greenfield parties were like the hit. Everybody would come from town. They'd bring all their friends. There would be, you know, a hundreds of children running around, um, and music and, you know, and all that these days, we don't have quite, quite that going on. Um, but they definitely have been exposed to, to all of that. And I, and one thing that, you know, for me, I really appreciate my elders and, um, really love talking to the OGs. And so that's one reason that I started this project because I wanted to be able to, um, 
you know, have something for my kids and for their kids and their kids to pass down, um, to talk about how it was. And so I started a video archive that I'm going to be continuing doing interviews with people who live here and, and talking about how they came here and, and how life is, you know, was and is now. Um, and so I started, you know, with my, my father and have interviewed a few of the neighbors. And so this is just a way for me to help, um, you know, mark history, I guess. And so my kids have seen the photos going way back. There's, you know, an archive in our ranch house, um, our central community house that has tons of photographs and, and other physical archives, um, as well. And so they've definitely seen that history over time. It's pretty special. That is really special. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. I love hearing that. And it looks like we do have a caller, which is so great. Caller, thanks for joining us. Um, Eddie's going to go ahead and put you through. And caller, you are live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? I hope. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, good. Well, I grew up in, uh, I moved up in 77 and I had six kids in Laytonville. And I used to go to the um, ranch, the Ridgefield, Ridgefield Ranch. Is, are you related or in any way with Troll and Marilyn Bear, Mama Bear? Because she used to have a summer drama camp where the kids would come in for two weeks and three weeks, and the kids would camp outside on a platform to get stay away from the rattlesnakes and put together plays. And run, you know, for for kids that were, we just had a third of an acre where I where I lived up in Lightonville. And my six kids, we just they'd run and scamper and and play together. And I was the cook, and I would go there for two weeks. Uh, I'd pay for two two of my kids, and I think I scholarship too. But in any event, it was just a marvelous experience for kids from that didn't have an outdoor experience. You know, that weren't on on uh, farmland. And I remember the seven swans swimming. There were swans that came and swam that flew over the, the last day when we they, they had a performance for the parents that were there and the, for themselves also to share. There were, there were swans that came in and, and flew, made this big circle over the outdoor you know platform, out over the drama camp. And I also wanted to, to let you know my, my, all my six kids are still here in Mendo, two in Lightonville, two here in Willits, one in Ukiah, and one in Albion. And um, they had traveled when they were in, oh, gosh, you know, in their 20s. And they came back and said, Mom, you never told us that the rest of the world isn't like Laytonville. <laughs> or like Mendocino. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think this is a magical place, and I'm really grateful. I was born in 47. But I am so grateful to have lived in California during this last period of time, the generations that we had open space without fences. The kids, um, one of the girls that was um, Marilyn and Troll's child said that she used to walk down the road and she'd see fairies in the trees. She'd see fairies in the grass. As a child, you know, you're much closer to those kind of worlds. And it's just uh, the storytelling and the community. You know, it was, a. Uh, I know there were many communes in this area from fin Finland. I think that uh, one of my, Sipla's, um, John and Marbury, they're up in Laytonville now. And Leggett, they're old third generation, and they're my, part of my family also. Um, my my uh, daughter married uh, one of the Sipolas. And so we now have a continuing child, and it's gener intergenerational. That's something that I really treasure and love. People that move is away, so but they true, come back. Caller. 
Yeah. Yes, and the, the intergenerational nature of the community here is so special. And thank you so much for calling in and sharing your precious memories. That is really so wonderful. Thank you so much. So we are getting close to the end of the show here today. We have about five minutes left. So RJ, I just want to give you a chance to speak a little bit about the folks that are coming, the international historians that are coming to be involved in this project with you. I know you said there was someone from France and then there was another person as well. I don't remember where you said they were from, but do you want to speak a little bit about who those folks are and how you got involved with them? Because that sounds like it's pretty special. So basically, um, about a year ago, uh, I've, I've been in contact for a, a number of years with uh, with uh, a historian uh, by the name of Scott Holmquist, who uh, he and his associates created an astonishing coffee table book called Chronic Freedom. And it's about a thousand page book. And uh, it chronicles the uh, the uh, back to the land movement in Southern Humboldt County, sometimes called Soham. And uh, Scott and I uh, just hit it off because I've been doing similar work uh, here in Mendo and beyond. And uh, we, we created a, uh, uh, what's come to be known as the Counterculture History Rescue Coalition. And we have a mission statement and we have, we have people from the uh, Oregon Country Fair, which has been going on for 50 years. They have an astonishing archive. We have uh, filmmakers uh, uh, from Portland on our team, uh, documentarians. We have uh, uh, we have people from uh, um, uh, uh, one of the panelists. Her name is Nicole Riggs. She's a historian and a, a professor uh, up in uh, uh, Arcata. She's a founder of something called Manifesto Synergies. She's co-founder of Cooperative Agriculture Network. And she's a researcher for the study of cannabis and social policy. So she's going to be on board with us, as well as Paulo Scupa, who's coming down, uh, coming over from, from Paris to, uh, to be with us. And he's also going to be uh, presenting uh, at University of Berkeley, as well as uh, Stanford uh, this spring. So um, anyway, we're going to be discussing um, our, our mutual uh, objectives and visions which include uh, creating uh, interpretive centers from Eugene, Oregon, south to the Bay Area. And we hope to be showing, uh, you know, what it was like to be, you know, living harmoniously and community self-reliance and uh, uh, individual inventiveness that arose out of the counterculture of the 60s. So that's going to be our, our case that we're going to be making. That is great, RJ. That is wonderful to hear the future of that project. So we are reaching the end of our time here today. We've got about three minutes left here. Richard, how can folks contact you if they want to get in touch um, with you to learn more about your archives or just in general? Do you have an email address that they can reach out to you at or another way to contact you? Sure, I could give you my email. That would be the letter R. J-E-R-G-E-N-S-O-N at S-A-B-E-R dot N-E-T. 
Thank you, Richard. Or you can find Richard at the first part of the guest speaker series for Cannabis in Mendocino County, Our Story, which will be on Saturday, February 11th from 1 to 3 p.m. Back to the Land Generational Storytelling, and that will be at the Mendocino County Museum right over there in Willits. Shia, would you like to share some contact informationers with our contact information with our listeners as well? Oh, sure. Well, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, um, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram, of course, um, through my brand, Arcana Flowers, A-R-C-A-N-N-A Flowers, um, or through my website, arcanaflowers.com. Um, you could always email me at chiah at arcanaflowers.com as well. Thank you. All right. And as always, if you have questions, comments, ideas, Anything you'd like to share with me, I am available at kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. That is kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. And I always love to hear from my listeners. So Richard and Chia, thank you so much for making time to be on the show today and to share your stories, Chia and Richard, to share your hard work on the archive that you've been putting together. I'm so excited for the speaker series and this exhibit in general. And I also want to give a big thank you to Karen Matson, the curator at the Mendocino County Museum, who joined us earlier, and Casey O'Neill from Happy Day Farms, who is also a panelist on the first part of the speaker series there. So don't forget, you can find more info on that at mendocinocounty.org backslash museum. And this is the end of our hour here today. So I hope you stay tuned. Up next, we have Portraits in Jazz. And I'll be back two weeks from today for another episode of the Cannabis Hour with you. So take care, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.